When it comes to investing, retirement, and legacy planning, the decisions you make today can greatly impact the quality of life for both you and your loved ones tomorrow. Good news. You found the Growing Your Wealth radio show with Brian Evans. Brian is the founder of Madrona Financial Services, and with his background as a CPA, he brings a unique perspective to the investment and financial planning world. So get ready for an hour full of the most comprehensive financial information on the radio. Welcome to Growing Your Wealth with Brian Evans. Thanks so much. Welcome to Growing Your Wealth from Madrona Financial and CPAs, where we give you the straight talk and honest answers you need to reach your wealth management and retirement goals through smart investing and comprehensive planning. My name's Jeff Shade, and I'm here to ask the questions. But of course, the solid advice comes from Brian Evans, CEO of Madrona Financial and CPAs. Brian, how you doing today? I'm doing just great. Thanks, Jeff. <laughs> Always glad to hear that, Brian. Hope our listeners are doing well today, too. We've got another great show lined up for us with a lot of great information. And once again, I remind you that if you have missed any of our program today or you want to hear it all over again or you've missed a past show, we are a podcast. Simply go to where you get your podcast and search Growing Your Wealth Brian Evans. You'll hear our shows all over again. And also, if you're a regular listener to this radio station during the week, maybe you do know or maybe you don't know that we have these two-minute Growing Your Wealth in 120-second features. Those are also on our podcast and those are updated daily. So let's get to our show today, Brian. On today's show, we're going to be talking about income versus lump sum, also annuities and generational income. But I want to start with something called finding the income target. How would you define what we're going to be talking about here? Yeah, I would say that uh, this is more of a retirement concept because uh, when you're working, your income is is your your wages and so forth. But when you retire, you've got to flip over to a different kind of income. There's certain things we need to solve for with our investments and our financial planning. Those are growth, security, liquidity, cash flow, and tax savings. So we want all of those. But the ones that are the most important kind of change over time. So when you're in your 20s, 30s, 40s, you know, so forth, your growth is probably the, the biggest thing. You want your assets to grow in value. You're not really concerned about the cash flow. You're not really concerned about the liquidity. And so you, you want them to grow so you have some in retirement. But in retirement, you're probably more concerned. I don't have people coming in saying, gee, I'm 70 years old and I need to go max out on risk. Could you get me into some crypto and some <laughs> leverage DTFs and let's really go for it and just throw caution to the wind? I just don't hear that. I'll hear that from a 25-year-old all the time, but not from a 70-year-old. And the 70-year-old's really looking for two things. Typically, it's security. You know, I, I don't want to lose what I have. Uh, I have enough, perhaps. But cash flow. Cash flow is the main one. Because when we retire, the only really certainty for most of us, as far as cash flow is concerned, is Social Security. And so our income goes from whatever we were making before to, at some point in time, we, we take Social Security. Well, if you look at that number by itself, that's probably not going to be enough. No. For most people, that is not going to be even close to enough, certainly in the clients that I work with. And so, you know, it seems uh, real elementary. We were talking about this before the show, how this seems like simple stuff. Um, of course, you have to plan for your cash flow. But it's simple in that we know we have to do it, but it's hard in how we do it. So we know we have Social Security. We know we don't have wages anymore. Where else does income come from? Well, it used to be we'd buy bonds and CDs and get a really high interest rate. Well, that's not really the case anymore. Or you could might have in the old days have dividend-paying stocks, but even they carry a lot of risk. Some of the highest dividend-paying stocks out there have been the most volatile over the last uh, 15 years or so. And so we have to be very careful with that. So you have to look to alternative income sources and plan for that ahead of time. You don't just, you know, retire and then go, okay, I'm ready to start thinking about planning for my retirement. You know, that's probably not a, a real successful uh, way to go about it. 
And you mentioned Social Security, Brian, and for most people, Social Security makes up only about 30% of what people need in retirement. So, of course, that leads the other 70% to come from other places. You mentioned stocks, but you also mentioned some other alternative sources. What are some of the alternative sources that people may not have thought about? Well, certainly in uh, years past, most people had pensions, or a lot of people had pensions. And so that was the, you had your pension, your Social Security, you were fine. I think back to my dad, he was a teacher, so he had a pension coming in, he had Social Security coming in, he, he was fine. And uh, he wasn't rich, but he paid the bills. And so other areas that you can get income from, real estate, certainly real estate, whether you own active rentals that you manage as a landlord or have property managed, or passive real estate can be a good source of income, uh, whether it's a private non-traded real estate investment trust, equity REITs, debt REITs, all different kinds of real estate investments often produce a much higher cash flow than other alternative investments. Another area is you you can do a dividend portfolio. I wouldn't necessarily, uh, as I mentioned before, that can be a very volatile area of the market. And so be careful just typing out Google, highest dividend-paying stocks. Oh, look, here's one that pays 13%. Well, if you graph the the underlying value of that, you go, oh, well, it paid 13% for the last five years, but it dropped 50% in value to get there. So it's like, well, maybe that's not going to be the answer to the solution for my whole retirement portfolio. Another area, and the primary area that probably uh, I would say is used by our staff would be annuities, Mm -hmm. cash flow for life annuities, or fixed index universal life policies. So uh, as I mentioned on the show previously, uh, I just love it when I see a a plan that involves the Social Security, maybe different kinds of equity and debt REITs. It's got increasing cash flow for life annuities, fixed index universal life, has all these different things. And I love uh, when I see the chart and each one of those cash flows is in its own column. And I've got, you know, 12 different columns where money's going to come from for the rest of their life. I can look at that and go, oh, that's that's going to make them feel awesome when they're in retirement and they're, they're getting paid 12 different ways. Yeah. And we mentioned last week in the show, multiple sources of income. I've always lived by that mantra because if you have one or two and the rugs pulled out from under you in one of those sources, you're really in bad shape. But if you've got 12 sources, like you said, and one of them's not doing so well, you've got 11 others. I've also said that when your outco exceeds your income, your upkeep becomes your downfall. Are most people in touch with what it really costs them to live to accurately figure out what their income should be? No, (laughs) I would say absolutely not. When we do a financial questionnaire for people, they come back 95% accurate, I'd say. You know, they get their assets right, their debt right, uh, what their income is, what their Social Security is going to be. All of that stuff's uh, pretty accurate when it comes in. The one thing that is is how much do you spend? We have to find that out because everybody's different. So we ask how much you spend. And as I often say on this show, I'll have somebody say, you know, they'll write down 2000 a month. I say, is that everything? Say, yep, that's it, 2000 a month. Well, you make 150 grand a year. How much do you save? Well, nothing. I spend it. Okay, well, you make 150, you spend 24,000 a year, and you're saying you don't save anything. Something's wrong here. Yeah. Something's off. Sure, we got income taxes in there and, and Social Security and Medicare and all that. But most people vastly underestimate how much they spend. Yeah, and I did a little experiment. I do it once a year where I carry a little notebook and I write down every penny that I spend. And it really is a reality wake up. And for someone who is getting into retirement and thinking about retirement, that's probably a uh, pretty good exercise to follow. We're talking with Brian Evans here of Madrona Financial and CPAs about solving for income. Brian, a lot of people think that when they get into retirement, they're going to spend vastly less than they did when they were working. Is that a misconception? I think it is. 
I would definitely plan on spending more. And one of the things that people often miss is they'll say, well, you know, I spend 2000 a month, okay, in, in that example. Well, okay, but don't you have months where you have to renew your, your insurances or your car registration? Or did you have a medical bill or, you know, deductibles, that kind of thing, a car repair, a house repair? Those things ever happen? Oh, yeah. I can't even think of a month in my adult life where I didn't have something unexpected. That was quite a bit of money. It just doesn't hardly happen. So there's, there's that aspect. But the other aspect, getting back to your question, was do we spend more as we age? And absolutely, I would say yes. And, and one of the reasons for that is think about your, your house, for instance. When you're 40 years old and your gutters are plugged, you get out a ladder, you climb on your roof, you, you clean out the gutters, you go, oh, I got some repairs, you bring up some tools, you fix things and all that. When you're 70 years old, you don't get up on that ladder. Well, maybe you do. But <laughs> we hope not. I hope not, though. <laughs> and you know, I hope you're not calling around that, that roof. Uh, on the Some moss, people do, though. On they've the got, mossy side. <laughs> they've got all the money in the world, but still yeah. they want to climb up on the roof and clean their own gutters. Yeah, they're probably fine. They're going to die with a lot of money. They'll be the richest people in the graveyard. Yeah. But for most of us, I'm looking at my roof going, and, you know, I made this determination years ago. I will never climb a ladder and get on my roof, ever. Now, I'm not going to do that in my lifetime. Smart decision. Yeah, because I've heard about too many people have fallen off of ladders, and I can afford to hire someone to climb up there. And so whereas something I would have done, I've been on roofs before. I've done a roof before on a rental, and it was the last time I'm going to do that. I can tell you that. That's <laughs> yeah. hard work. But, yeah, I mean, when you get older, you're going, well, i got to hire more stuff out. I just I can't do it. I don't want to do it. It's too dangerous to do it. Whatever the reason, you're hiring more stuff out. When you hire stuff out, your expenses go up uh, really fast. That's exactly right, Brian. And statistics show, at least in my own case as well, too, that most people spend more money on Saturday than any other day of the week. And when you retire, every day is Saturday. <laughs> <laughs> Good point. Yeah. So, no, and, and, and it is a true point, too. You are going to spend more money in retirement on discretionary things, but also consider that, you know, health care expenses. So, Brian, let's pull this all together. What does all of this mean? I mean, what's the takeaway from this that you want people to know? Yeah, the takeaway is when I'm doing financial planning for someone, when any of our advisors are, generally growth of assets or having assets, enough assets, is not what we're solving for. Most of the time, in fact, most of my conversations are, gee, I'm going to leave my kids too many assets or, you know, what should I spend more? I'm, I'm going to have, I got plenty of assets because, you know, they spent their life saving and investing and so forth. So growth of assets is really not what I'm solving for. We're taking care of tax planning, of course. I'm rarely solving for liquidity because almost always plenty of the portfolio is liquid enough for any of our clients. So I'm not solving for that. And that leaves security and cash flow. Well, we're certainly going to have enough security. Cash flow is the toughest one and the most important one. So if you're not spending time, you know, maybe you're looking at your investments and all that, but are you considering what your cash flow is going to be? So in our financial plans, we're putting together the cash flow projections for a lifetime. We're, we're projecting out uh, inflationary uh, changes and, and increases in medical expenses due to Medicare supplements and so forth. And so we've got to factor all that in, tax rates going up, uh, inflation, everything. And so we really have to focus on where is this cash flow going to come from and how can we solve for that? That is, again, not easy to do, but probably one of the most important things any financial plan can have in it when we're planning for retirement. You're listening to Brian Evans with Growing Your Wealth from Madrona Financial and CPAs, and we're talking about finding the income target here in our show today. I want to remind you as well to go out to madronafinancial.com and click on the Rooted Wealth Analysis Quiz there. It's an opportunity for you to see how 
deep your financial roots are. It's only going to take a couple of minutes, but it could make a dramatic difference in your life. You know, and we use the analogy all the time about these giant trees that we have here that are over on their sides. And, you know, you wonder how a great big tree that's lived for 80, 90, 100 years can be blown over by a storm. And then you take a look at their roots and they're just tiny. Well, the same goes for your financial plan. If you are not rooted deeply enough, even the slightest of financial storms could upend your retirement. Imagine a retirement where you've got to start worrying about money again. You might have to go back to work. Well, if your roots are deep enough, that is out the window. You don't need to worry about any of that. To check to see if your financial roots are deep enough, once again, go to madronafinancial.com and click on the Get Started button to take your rooted wealth analysis. That's madronafinancial.com. Time for a break. Brian will be back with more of Growing Your Wealth right after this. Tired of getting only half the story? We've got you covered with the most comprehensive financial information on the radio. You're listening to Growing Your Wealth with your host, Brian Evans. Now, here's Brian. Welcome back to the show. I'm Brian Evans, CEO of Madrona Financial and CPAs. In this segment, we're going to be talking about income versus a lump sum. And Brian, I had this situation myself. You and I talked about this some time ago. I have a pension from a performing arts union. And for those people lucky enough to have a pension, doesn't have to be a pension, but anything that you can get where you can take a lump sum versus a monthly payout. Sometimes there are settlements from, you know, any number of things where you can select that particular option. So let's talk about this. This is, I think, a fairly common question that we get. When you have the opportunity to take a lump sum, let's say it's a pension versus a a monthly annuity. How do you go about figuring out the right decision to make? Well, the first thing you want to define is what is the offer that they're making you? So, for instance, most Boeing workers, you know, they're going to be faced with this decision at some point. And it depends on, on which division you work on. I know the executives have a little sweeter package than the, the rank and file. But uh, aside from that, many people will be faced with this decision. So you can have, let's say, a million dollar lump sum or you can take the pension. And the pension, let's say that they say it's going to be uh, sixty grand a year, and you go, oh, okay, six percent. Uh, that's that's a pretty good rate of return. Well, first thing to know that that is not a six percent rate of return. A six percent rate of return means on a million dollars means you get sixty grand a year, and you still have a million dollars. Well, when you sign up for the pension, you're signing up for a residual value of zero. It will be zero. There's there's no situation once you start that pension where you can call them up and say, oh yeah, I need a hundred grand. Oh well, it's not there. They're not. There is no residual to a pension. And so that's the first thing you have to understand. And okay, we understand that. The next thing is okay. What is my break even? What when would this make sense? So how do we calculate that? How do I quantify it? Because I'm looking at this going, well, is that good? Is it bad? I, I don't even know. Sixty grand a year sounds pretty good on a million dollars. Well, maybe that is. So in this case, let's say that you're 65 years old and you're looking at this going, what's my break even? How long do I have to pull on this pension before I've pulled a million dollars? You know, no time value of money whatsoever. How long would that be? Well, in this case, it'd be uh, 16 years and eight months. And so you're going, okay, so I'll be 81 and eight months old. And before I hit my break even with no time value of money computed in there. So really my, you know, depending on what inflation is going to be, really my break even points in my mid to late 80s. And you're going, huh, 
that's not great. Maybe that isn't so good. Sometimes you can do that calculation. Let's say they're going to pay you 70 or 80 grand a year. Well, I'd say probably take the pension. If they're going to pay you 50 or 60 grand a year in this case, I'd say probably not because there's time value and money considered. Because the other consideration there, 60,000 sounds like a lot right now. But we have 7% inflation for the next 10 years. That will lose half its value. So mm-hmm. can, you know, maybe 60000 sounds good. How about 30000 in 10 years? How about 15000 in 20 years? Ooh, now we're, now we're looking at that number going, wait a second. You're right. If the value of my money is decreasing in half every 10 years, uh, in 20 years, I'll, uh, that sixty grand will feel like fifteen. And 15 ain't going to do it because you just said in your last segment, Brian, that you spend more in retirement than less. Mm -hmm. Uh, That ain't going to do it. And so now we're starting to get down to the nitty gritty on the income versus the lump sum option. Yeah. And another thing that I thought about, and it's it's sort of this way with lottery winners. I mean, if you were offered a million dollars as a lump sum in a pension and you take that, I would think that people tend to think that they're rich. They're going to spend all of this money. They're going to have nothing left in a couple of years versus if it is gradually paid out, you know, in a month monthly annuity that it's probably going to last longer. Well, there's the offset. Yeah. Uh, would I like to get a, a monthly check? Sure. So that, that can be a good thing. And you may say, Brian, I really don't care about time value money. I really don't care about all this stuff. I just want to know I got some money coming in on top of Social Security and I'll be fine. I'll figure it out later in life. Great. Then take the pension. Some people take it just for that reason, that they want that security of knowing money's coming in. They don't want to have to make any decisions. They don't want to take any risk. They don't want to make any investment decisions whatsoever. Now, how does that uh, decision to take a pension differ from an annuity? Well, this is an annuity, but it's it's called a life-only annuity. So a pension is a life-only annuity. When you die or when you and your spouse die, there's no residual for anybody. If you die prematurely, if both you and your spouse get hit, you know, take one check, you know, you take 60 grand a year, you get the first $5,000 check. Woohoo, let's go out to dinner. And you get hit by a bus uh, on the way to dinner. Well, that's all your state's ever going to get is that $5,000. The million dollars is gone. And so an annuity is different. Now, an insurance annuity that you purchase through an advisor would have a residual paid out. So they, they do differ from pensions in that way. Even though they're lifetime cash, so they look alike, but they have an underlying value to them that would go to your heirs. And they are accessible if you needed the money. I mean, you, you can go, go get them and, and not take the, the lifetime income. So they are somewhat different in that respect. So one of the things that we look at, though, is if that bothered you, me saying that your, your money might be, might be worth, in this example, 15 grand instead of 60 you might consider the lump sum because now you can allocate to many different types of investments. For instance, an increasing lifetime cash flow annuity that can protect, you know, if you die prematurely and can offset some inflation. You might have some real estate in there. You might have some stocks for growth and other alternative investments in there. So you might uh, be able to find your kind of income plan using a, a variety of different investments. Brian, in my situation, it was a flat payout. I mean, I got a certain amount every month and there was no increasing amount uh, as years went by. And that's the reason why we were thinking about the lump sum distribution there. Is it common that even with an increasing payout monthly that you can beat that by taking a lump sum and investing that in sort of moderately risky investments? Uh, actually, not that common, you know, surprisingly, because I'm uh, you know, there's always positives and negatives as we talk about. One of the positives to taking the pension is that has one of the highest cash flows of any of your alternatives. And the reason for that is because you're signing up for a zero residual value. 
if you tell me, Brian, I want to invest my money with you, but in, in you know in twenty five years, I want to make sure that that investment with you is zero. I'm going, okay, well, I can give you a lot better cash flow than I can if I'm investing it to maintain some principal. And so what I'm saying here is, is even though your cash flow might be higher with the pension, if one of your objectives is to have assets in the future to leave to heirs, to leave to your spouse and so forth, that is not going to be the best option because I just told you the residual value of that's going to be zero. But it does have the positive factor of having a higher cash flow than most other kinds of annuities because annuities allow for some residual or allow for inflationary you know, parts to or whatever. And so every investment has pros and cons. So it's interesting you ask that because I think you expected me to say, no, I can just go out there and get something with a much, much higher cash flow yeah. and it can grow and maintain its value. Well, maybe, but that's going to be pretty <laughs> tough to do to get all of those in one thing. And I can't solve this using the one tool. So, you know, we go back to our tool analogy. The pension is a hammer. I'm talking about, uh, you know, you can use a hammer to do the job or I got a toolbox over here with a lot of different tools in it. We can pick one or the other. Uh, If I'm just hitting nails, though, I'll grab the hammer. (laughs) So, you know, so it may have its place. It may not. Brian, I have learned that any time I get any sort of income that I've got to go through a toll booth, at least my money goes through a toll booth, and they're standing with their hand out is the tax man. How do taxes figure into making this decision? Well, one area I can think about that is, well, the first thing is if you take the lump sum, you're not going to pay tax on that if you do a proper rollover, trustee to trustee, transfer into your IRA. So a lot of people think you are, but you don't. One area I can think of is lump sum versus cash flow on real estate. Let's say you're selling real estate, investment real estate, and you're going to get drilled on taxes. And so you can take that lump sum, pay the big tax, and now you have money to do something with maybe invest it, or you can do a Delaware Statutory Trust 1031 exchange. So that's where you didn't take the lump sum. Instead, you're essentially taking cash flow instead and not paying the tax and having that uh, eventually transfer to your heirs income tax-free when your heirs uh, receive the step-up in basis when you pass away. We've been talking about the pension choice, pension lump sum versus pension uh, monthly income. But it can also be applicable in the case of real estate where you're thinking about selling a piece of investment real estate. We're talking with Brian Evans of Madrona Financial and CPAs here about taking income versus a lump sum distribution. So, Brian, what is the role here of Madrona Financial in figuring all this out? Well, I'd say the primary role is uh, if you're facing this question, definitely sit down with one of our advisors so that we can go through the math with you, go through the alternatives. Because one thing is, okay, let's say you decide to take the lump sum, but if you don't know what you can put it in, you're going to come up with, well, I'll put it in the bank and earn less than 1%. That's, I might as well just take the pension. And you're probably right if that's your only choice. But we have access to products that you just don't have. Uh, you cannot do a DST on your own. You can't buy an annuity on your own without going through an advisor. You can't do uh, many uh, private non-traded real estate investment trust, equity REIT, debt REIT, any of these. So most of the things I'm talking about aren't even available to the general public. So if you don't even have access to that, obviously it's, it's going to change your decision. So the decision to decide whether to take the lump sum or the monthly cash flow needs to be run through uh, one of our advisors so 
that we can help assist in that decision. Whatever the answer is, we want to get the right decision and the right answer for you in your particular situation, given your particular risk tolerance. That's Brian Evans of Madrona Financial Services and CPAs. We've been talking about income versus lump sum distributions. And again, I want to remind you to go out to the website, madronafinancial.com and take your rooted wealth analysis there. It's all about how deep your financial roots are. Five, 10 years into retirement, wouldn't you like to be traveling the world, enjoying yourself, playing golf? I mean, crossing off those things on your bucket list, or would you rather sit home and worry about the fact that your roots just weren't deep enough and you're really having to fret about money and worry about how you're going to go on and whether or not you're going to have to go back to work? It really is a simple decision. Go to madronafinancial.com, take that rooted wealth analysis, find out how deep your roots are, because of course, time is on your side. If you've got some time, more than likely, we can help you lengthen or deepen your financial roots. Once again, to find out how deep your roots are, take that rooted wealth analysis at madronafinancial.com and click on the Get Started button. You're listening to Growing Your Wealth with Brian Evans. We'll take a quick break. Be right back with more of our show after this. You can't build a house with just one tool, and you can't plan for retirement without an integrated, comprehensive strategy. If you want to get more information on the Madrona Bundle of Services, call Madrona Financial Services at 844-MADRONA or go to madronafinancial.com. Now, back to more of Growing Your Wealth with Brian Evans. Welcome back to the show. I'm Brian Evans, CEO of Madrona Financial and CPAs. And in this segment, we're going to be talking about annuities. And Brian, this is one of those things. I mean, I hear them all over the news about people saying, I love annuities, people, I hate annuities, people are indifferent about annuities. Everybody has an opinion on annuities. Even if they don't know anything about annuities, they still have an opinion on that. Why do you think annuities are so polarizing? Well, follow the money, Jeff. (laughs) The people that hate annuities do not sell them to make money in their profession. The people that love annuities that you hear sell annuities and make money off selling those annuities. Mm -hmm. And so that is why they are so polarizing. So, Brian, with so many differing opinions, I mean, how do you make the right choice for you? Well, one of the things I I can think of is, for instance, in our firm, I think about that. We can sell annuities and we can make money off selling annuities. Does that mean I love annuities? Well, it depends. I don't love them for all of our clients because we can be agnostic. So the first thing is do not talk to anybody about annuities if they don't sell annuities. Do not talk to anybody about annuities if that's all they sell. Boy, I just got rid of most of the financial advisors. <laughs> Woo! So now we're getting down to a place where you can talk to somebody about annuities who can offer fixed index annuities, who also can offer things that are not annuities, you know, investments in the markets and private non-traded REITs and Delaware Statutory Trusts and, and fixed index universal life and all the other things that are out there so that we can be agnostic as to whether that annuity is selected as something that can help your portfolio or not. Because again, if I don't sell them, I'm going to say they're bad. If that's all I sell, I'm going to say they're the best thing since sliced bread. They are neither. They can be very appropriate for many of our clients and inappropriate for other clients. So unless you have access to everything out there, then you probably shouldn't be talking to that person. Brian, one of the things I've always loved about Madrona Financial is that when you bring a client in and you're talking about a product, you will tell them, first of all, the reasons why they shouldn't do something before you talk about the positive of doing something. So let's start that way. 
What are the detriments? What are the cons to annuities? All right, let's say that I have a 50-year-old that comes in or 40-year-old and they filled out the questionnaire and on a scale of 1 to 10, how much do they want their portfolio to grow? They put a, a 10. How are you concerned are you about market crash and security? And they put a zero on those two. Already I'm going, okay, this person does not need an annuity. They want to knock it out of the park. They want growth investments. Annuities are not designed to maximize upside potential of your investment dollars. That's not what they're designed for. That's what cryptocurrency or stock markets or individual stocks, that's what they're more designed for. And so we would have a whole different conversation. I just said, we're not talking annuities here. (laughs) They just aren't for you. But let's say that they, uh, same situation, but let's reverse that. They put security and cash flow as a 10 and concern about a stock market crash, a 10 and growth of assets, a, a one. And they're, you know, they're in their 50s or 60s. And I'm looking at that going, okay, this is an annuity layup here. This is what they want. They want guaranteed lifetime cash flow. They just told me that. They, they, they're worried about losing money in the market. They don't want to be in the market. They, they want security. They want cash flow. Well, that's what annuities are designed for. Cash flow annuities are designed to give you, you know, lifetime cash flow. And, and it could be increasing lifetime cash flow. Uh, accumulation annuities are designed to be an investment that can't lose money, can only gain money. And so by a combination of these two uh, with the annuities that do these two different things, we can solve for that in that situation. So I just gave you two examples where I loved annuities in the second example. Mm-hmm. I did not like annuities uh-huh. in the first one. And it's the same advisor having that those two conversations, but two different scenarios. And if a person needs liquidity, annuities may not be the best choice for them because they're not terribly liquid. I mean, if you put a certain, let's say you put $200,000 into an annuity and a couple of years later, you want all your money, you know, back because you changed your mind. You can't necessarily do that. How much can you take out of an annuity typically? Uh, many of them are designed where you can take 10% of the money out of an annuity. Now, there's two, again, I mentioned two annuities, uh, two different uh, types. Well, one fixed index annuity can be for accumulation. Uh, I call them CDs on steroids. And the other can be for lifetime cash flow. So that's a more like a you'd see like a pension kind of asset. And so they, they perform two different functions. So if you purchase an annuity for the idea of lifetime cash flow, you're not going to want to pull money out of that because now you're taken away from your lifetime cash flow. That's not its intended objective. However, the accumulation annuity might be a place where you go for certain amounts of money, you know, draws of money. That's just, a, again, a, akin to a CD where it's designed not to lose money. It's not designed to pay you cash flow for life, and it's designed to get you some return. So that might be a place where you can dip into up to 10% a year, on again, on many annuities. And then they have a life. You might have bought a five-year annuity and a seven-year annuity, and knowing that they'll be liquid at that time. So if you told me you're going to need a whole bunch of money to build your new dream house in three years, we're not doing an annuity. That is not what it's for. They're, as you mentioned properly, uh, Jeff, they're not fully liquid in a short period of time. So whatever money you're going to use to build that house, it's not coming from any annuity purchase. Brian, I don't know if you remember this, but I had a neighbor who had questions about annuities. And, uh, you know, she was sold something she didn't understand. it. she just basically signed. And she came and talked to you. You you looked it over. And her takeaway from this is, well, I guess I'm going to be having some good parties when I'm in my middle 80s. I don't know if you remember that. I do. I remember that. I was 
relatively new in the industry uh, as far as selling annuities. And I remember she was very elderly and I didn't even know annuities existed that were this long of a time frame. Right. They were 14 years, as I recall. Mm -hmm. And she was in her 70s. Yeah, she was. Yeah. And so I'm like, wow, well, when you're 88, you're going to, yeah, you're going to throw some great parties (laughs) because these these things stink. They were terrible annuities. They should never have been sold to that person. But she went to an annuity salesperson, and he, and I can tell you why he sold. You know, why would that annuity salesperson? I mean, clearly, what happens here is, you know, there were other things that were way more appropriate. This person knew that, still sold them. Why a fourteen-year commissions were higher on fourteen-year products than they were on five-year products? Five-year annuities don't pay a great big commission to the salesperson as a, as a, not even close to what a fourteen-year one would. And so uh, again, follow the money. If you're getting pushed into something and you ask that question, I guarantee I already know the answer without looking at it. It was all about money to the salesperson. So is age a consideration in selling annuities? I mean, if someone is taking a lump sum and they're, you know, I had another friend who was 72 and he was going to be getting, uh, he had to take an RMD that was a couple hundred thousand dollars and he didn't need that money and he was asking about an annuity. Yeah, uh, certainly as you get older, getting a guaranteed lifetime cash flow is less and less uh, interesting as far as solution because uh, if you've already made it to a ripe old age, you don't really need those guarantees if you have enough money. And so I, I, I would shy away from a lifetime annuity for somebody that's older. Again, every investment has pros and cons. And, and as you get older, the lifetime cash flow annuity is less attractive. However, I will say the accumulation annuity might be more attractive. They might say, you know, I just want to you know leave some money to my heirs i don't want to take risk with it what can i do with that so i i can make some money on it and not take any chance of losses uh money i don't really need i don't need to spend it i don't need the liquidity well that's easy the accumulation annuity could be a really good answer for that uh as opposed to putting it in a bond fund you know if i'd done that uh, they would have lost double digits this year so far so probably so that would have been a bad choice bonds can lose money cds didn't pay much so a fixed index annuity for accumulation can be a great answer in that scenario and so you know there's so many scenarios and and that's why everybody gets looked at individually but uh, i think the biggest takeaway from what we're talking about today is if you're talking to an advisor and you're talking annuities, again, let me reiterate, if that's all they sell, get up, walk out, (laughs) leave. Do not deal with someone that only sells annuities to give you advice on where to put your money. I already know what they're going to say. I haven't met them yet. I already know what they're going to say. And, and, you know, their incentive is to to sell you particular annuities that pay them the highest commission. Brian, I think that people have heard that annuities basically come in several different flavors. They're fixed, they're fixed index, and there are variable annuities. So briefly, can you define what those three are? Yes. So with a fixed annuity, uh, I'll give you an example, uh, fixed annuity for five years. Well, they're going to tell you exactly what the interest they're going to pay you over the next five years is going to be, period. When you sign your name on that uh, annuity, you know exactly what you're going to get. And so if that's what you want, then that, that will be a good answer. It will be higher than a CD generally is ever going to pay. And that's what they do. A variable annuity is essentially invested in the stock market, stock and bond markets. So there is risk of principle. They have certain guarantees built in. 
we do not offer variable annuities. Uh, I find uh, the fixed index annuity as the third category to be what we would offer instead. Uh, fixed index annuities, as I mentioned, come in the two flavors, the one more designed for guaranteed lifetime cash flow and the other for safe accumulation of assets. So, Brian, it all comes back to what lifestyle do you want, how much risk you're willing to take? Yeah, and that's why you know, annuities are a very effective tool for retirement planning because very often we're trying to solve for, as I mentioned in an earlier segment, the toughest one to solve for, for a lot of my clients, is not growth. They've already got assets. It's not liquidity. It's not even security necessarily. It's cash flow. And one of the best ways to solve for cash flow is using annuities. That's what they're designed for. That's what generally what the purpose is of them. So if I have someone coming in saying, I want a retirement plan, I want to make sure I got enough money coming in that we can spend it and have a great life, I'm sure not going to put them into Berkshire Hathaway stock that's never paid a dividend ever. I got to look into annuities to provide uh, cash flow and at least consider that as part of the option. So we very often use annuities in retirement planning. If all my clients are 30 years old, I probably wouldn't even be talking about annuities. We've been talking about annuities with Brian Evans here of Madrona Financial and CPAs. Again, annuities may be a good solution for you in your retirement planning, but of course, your individual situation may vary. Get all the information to make an intelligent decision by sitting down with someone at Madrona Financial and uh, talking about what's right for you. And to that end, go to madronafinancial.com and check how deep your financial roots are. We have this rooted wealth analysis there. It'll only take a couple of minutes. I think there are about five questions or so that you need to answer. And uh, basically, it'll point you as to how deep your financial roots are. You know, just like the trees that blow over have those shallow roots, the same can happen to you if there is a financial storm like we're in right now or an extended bear market. To see how deep your roots are, once again, go to madronafinancial.com, click on the Get Started button to check how deep your financial roots are, madronafinancial.com. You're listening to Growing Your Wealth. We'll take a quick break. Be right back with more of our show after this. Do you ever worry if your CPA and financial advisor are on the same page? You won't have to if you call Madrona Financial Services at 844-MADRONA or visit them at madronafinancial.com. Now, back to Growing Your Wealth with Brian Evans. Welcome back to the show. I'm Brian Evans, CEO of Madrona Financial and CPAs. And in this segment, we'll be talking about generational income. And Brian, whenever I see these great sports contracts, we always go back to these sports analogies when someone's making $300 million or so. I always tell my wife, that's generational income. She asks, what is that? Well, I say Mookie Betts is not only has enough money for him to uh, live the way he wants the rest of his life, but also his children and his grandchildren. That's called generational income. So let's talk about that a little bit. If you have funds left over when you pass, do you lump sum gifted or do you create income that could be generational income? Well, the statistics on generational income are staggeringly terrible. Mm-hmm. You know, you've heard about people winning lotteries and so forth and how that money, you know, most of the time isn't there at all in just a short number of years. Well, imagine if that money's passed generationally, what the chances are. The chances are, I, I remember I was at a seminar once and, and they said, you know, if somebody had a $20 million state, what are the odds that it lasts the next generation and then the following generation? And everybody in the room was throwing out numbers. I don't know, 50, 50, 80%, 60%. No, it was about 15% one generation and 2% for two generations. Oh my God. I mean, it was like, 
it ain't going to happen. How can you take $300 million, let's say you're blessed enough that your grandfather was a professional athlete, made that much money. How did they go through $300 million plus interest in two generations? Uh, well, you ever somebody that doesn't have to work for a living, they got to fill their time with something. Gambling's really fun. Wow. You know, uh, big old cars and boats and all that stuff, really fun, expensive drugs, whatever you know, comes along. <laughs> Treating your friends to uh, anything that friends, they want as well. You're buying friends. Yeah. Ex-spouses. Oh, yeah. That's oh, a big that. one. That's a big one. Uh, kids that have the same problems that you had because you taught them yours. <laughs> I, mean, okay. I guess we could go on and on. I want yeah. this uh, financial show here. But the bottom line is uh, the money doesn't last. And so, yeah, leaving a lump sum can be a big problem. Uh, you think you're doing a good thing. You've worked hard your whole life. You saved. You, you've invested. You get to be older and you go, huh, I didn't spend a, a lot of my money and I'm going to leave my kids a lot of money. And they do. And then, gosh, that, that could be something. Sometimes the worst thing you could have done for them, you leave them all this money in a lump sum. And so that, that's something that we're talking about here. And that's where part of the planning that we do, we, we certainly talk about, you know, growth, security, income, cash flow, you know, liquidity, tax savings. We talk about the different routes and lifestyle planning and so forth. But one of the routes is estate and legacy planning and gifting. And so how you do that can be very important as to the effectiveness of that gift. Would it be better for me to give my son a million dollars? Well, he would say yes. Uh, <laughs> and don't get any ideas, son, if you're listening. <laughs> but I'm not giving you a million dollars. But if I did, I don't know you know, what the chances of survival that money would be for a long period of time. As opposed to maybe an income flow if I if I instead invested it in a, an annuity or fixed index universal life that's going to pay over a long period of time, then there's a better chance of success of that money being around. Yeah, there's a different mindset, I think, when you work for something, you scratch and claw, you make mistakes, you make good decisions, and you've earned all this money versus I don't have any idea about money. I don't want to know anything about money because I know I'm going to be handed a lump sum of that. When you don't know what to do with money, you can lose it very, very easily. So don't gift an asset that they can't maintain. What an answer to avoid that being uh, funding a trust. Yes, absolutely. Trust can be a very good solution for that. Uh, as we talk about trust, I'm talking about irrevocable trusts, trusts that are set up for a particular purpose to protect the asset, protect it maybe from creditors, maybe protect it from the beneficiaries. And when I say that, that if they have access to the money, they take it and spend it, it's gone. Whereas if it's in a trust and you have a trustee that is not the beneficiary, so in this case, I'll pick on my son. So let's say he's the beneficiary of a trust and he goes to the trustee and says, hey, give me my money. And the trustee says, well, no. And he said, why? I'm the beneficiary. Well, because your dad said no, but he's not here anymore. Well, too bad. I'm the trustee. He told me no. I make the decisions and you can have your monthly stipend. You can have money for college. You can have money for down payment on a house, etc. Mm-hmm. And so trust can be set up with rules and a trustee that is different from the beneficiary. Brian, is there any way to quantify, quantify the difference between giving a lump sum versus putting it into trust and having it doled out, let's say when they're 18, they're 21, they're 30, they're 40, that sort of thing? Yeah, I mean, this would be an extended financial plan where you're planning for uh, generationally. And so one of the things that you might be hearing is, boy, this sounds complicated. I don't want to put all my money into trust. I don't want to give up control of those assets. You said irrevocable trust. That sounds terrible. It is. It's terrible. Don't do that. 
while you're living. But in your will or living trust, your, your, I use the word trust again, in your revocable living trust or your will, you can have wording in there that says, none of this takes place until I'm dead. Mm-hmm. <laughs> then you can take my money and put it in these trusts and I lose control over it because, well, I'm dead. So I don't care about control at that point in time. I want this to survive me. I want this money to survive me generationally. And so now you can set up family trusts or different kinds of trusts, marital trusts, whatever, with particular rules. Uh, you can leave income to certain people, whereas the principal goes to other people. If you want to keep, let's say, a family uh, beach house in the family for generations, mm-hmm. you might leave that in a trust, have somebody manage that as a trustee, and then leave some additional money to cover the property taxes and insurance and repairs. Because you might have three kids and two of them can't afford to maintain that place. One can. There's going to be fights. Uh, hey, everybody, pitch in your money. And two of them say, we don't have any money. Well, that's terrible because now I have to pay for it or we let it go into ruin. You don't want that. So you have to fund that. So these are the things you can think about while you're living and you're setting up the planning on this to have that provided for. Even though you don't have to do it now, at least planning for it can make a lot of sense. Brian, do trusts hold up to legal challenges? And what I mean by that is let's say that you're no longer here and you have specified that, well, I don't want mean to pick on your son again, but I guess we'll do it as an example. But you've said, hey, he gets a certain amount of 21. 30 and 45, but you're no longer here. He goes and says, I want my money, but the trustee says that you can't have it. Can he sue and say, I want my money? What I mean by that is, can these trusts hold up to legal challenges like that? Yeah, he can sue. He'll probably lose. <laughs> He's going to lose that one because, you know, it's 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 kind of like, well, let's take a vote on it. Only problem is my vote counts and yours doesn't. <laughs> I'm the trustee. <laughs> I get to do that. And so, yeah, it's it's very rare that they don't hold up to scrutiny like that because, you know, otherwise they'd all get sued. Everybody wants their money, right? Right. And so, that, that you know, the courts would be full of people suing their trustees and that just doesn't happen. Uh, it's almost impossible to replace a trustee. If you think they're not doing a good job, that's really hard to do also. So these are things that you will actually address in your properly done documents with your estate attorney. So this involves an estate attorney as part of the mix. We can't do everything here. We can be part of the process, the planning process, and help with the decision making, but you would need an estate attorney to draft the proper legal documents because if you didn't, then yeah, you can go after that trust probably because it's not drafted right. We're talking with Brian Evans here of Madrona Financial and CPAs about generational income. Brian, I'm going to ask you to put on your CPA cap right now. How do taxes play into each option, lump sum versus uh, getting it doled out in the trust? Yeah, there's a ton of tax implications to estate planning and trust planning. And whether it's preserving step-up and basis using Delaware Statutory Trust, uh, fixed index universal life policies, that kind of thing. Then certainly when you create a trust, you can create a very uh, nasty tax situation if you're not distributing the income. The, the brackets, marginal brackets go up really fast with trust. It doesn't take a lot of in- income before you're at the 39, uh, 40% bracket. And so that's part of the consideration. So I won't get too into the weeds here, but the, I think the one takeaway that I, I want people to have here is this is not for the faint of heart. If you're if, if you're dealing with uh, an advisor that only sells insurance, they're probably not the best resource to do this kind of planning or if they just sell stocks and bonds or whatever. You know, they don't have a CPA hat to put on. We have the CPA hat to put on. 
And so we need that coordination between the CPA, the estate planner, the financial advisor who's licensed in both the stock market uh, world, uh, the real estate world, offers Delaware statutory trust, and offers annuities for that protection and fixed index universal life. So you kind of need all the tools, all the tools in the tool. I'll use the toolbox analogy again. You'll need all the tools to do proper generational planning. You can't get by with just a few tools for that. If you have questions, certainly about generational income, you want to sit down with an advisor here at Madrona Financial and discuss this topic. As always, you can go to the website madronafinancial.com and you can request an appointment there. And while you're there, take your rooted wealth analysis. Once again, click on the Get Started button to check how deep your financial roots are. You might be surprised if a financial storm comes our way and blows your portfolio over, you'll know that your roots were not deep enough. Prevent that from happening by checking how deep your roots are at Madrona Financial and clicking on the Get Started button. Out of time for this week, Brian. Thanks for your time. I want to thank our listeners for joining us. For Brian Evans, I'm Jeff Shade. Get out. Have a great weekend in this great part of the country that we live in. We'll talk to you again next week with another edition of Growing Your Wealth. No statements made during the Growing Your Wealth radio show shall constitute tax, legal, or accounting advice. You should consult your own legal or tax professional on your individual information. Brian Evans of Madrona Financial Services is licensed to offer investment advisory services through Madrona Financial Services, LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor. Insurance products are offered through Madrona Insurance Services, LLC, a licensed insurance agency and an affiliate of Madrona Financial Services. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. Investors cannot invest directly into indexes. No investment strategy, including asset allocation or diversification, guarantees a profit or guarantees the avoidance of loss. Financial planning is an important tool that does not guarantee specific outcomes.